0: more mature to manage the the tough moments, the nerves, to manage uh, everything on court. Uh, I'm able to play long rallies. uh, To manage the the tough moments, I'm I'm ready to play against this kind of uh, player.
1: He is certainly all of that. Three days after his 19th birthday, Carlos Alcaraz proving once again that he's here to stay and certainly not afraid to mix it with the very best. Rafael Nadal beaten in the quarterfinals. World number one Novak Djokovic beaten in the semifinals. And on Sunday, the defending Mutur Madrid Open champion Alexander Zverev beaten in the final.
2: Carlitos, congratulations on your second Masters 1000 title. Given this was on clay and not your favorite hard courts, and also the caliber of players you beat this week, do you think this is your biggest achievement?
0: Probably I, I, I would say this is my uh, best week ever uh, I mean uh, I beat uh, two of the best players in the history uh, beating isbe in the final great player as well number three in the world uh,
2: I mean I would I would say that this is my best my best week you played five career finals and won all of them all five how do you do it how do you play your best tennis, like today, arguably your best tennis of the week in a final?
0: Yes, I believe in myself all the time. I always say that uh, I'm not going to play final. I, I'm going to win finals. So I, I always think uh, about it and
2: uh, yeah, you go for it. And how emotional has this week been with, you know, beating Nadal, beating Djokovic now, now playing the final?
0: It's uh, so special week for me. I mean, playing in Spain uh, in front of such a, a great crowd, the uh, Spanish crowd, uh, playing against the best player in the
2: world, uh, beating them. So for me, it's a, a pretty good week. And just finally, I've been waiting to ask you this: you've now beaten three of the top four players, won two Masters 1000 within a few months. Do you think you can win a Grand Slam?
0: Uh yes yeah I think so I think I, I'm ready to to win a grand slam I I think I'm ready to uh, to go for it I mean this uh a goal for me this uh, this year trying try to to get my first grand slam but uh, I I'm going to work for it and uh, let, let's see what uh, is going to happen
1: in, in Roland Garros Now enjoy this moment congratulations Thank you very much Carlos Alcaraz speaking with Ursín Cadera after winning his fourth title already of the year. So it wasn't to be for Zverev, who's made the Kaja his second home over the past few years. But even he, not good enough on the day against a young man he's already expecting to see plenty of over the coming years.
3: I know how good he is. And to be honest, I said it before. I said it last year in Acapulco. I think by the end of... Oh, by 2 in 22 By 2 23 in Acapulco, he's going to be top 10. He beat me by a year, so... Uh, there's nothing more to say. He's, a, he's an incredible player. Uh, he's going to be incredible. I mean, with, with 19 years old now, he looks like a grown man. So, um, to be honest, yeah, I mean, there, there is no limit for him. It's been a stop-start
1: season so far for world number one Novak Djokovic. He reached the semi-finals in Madrid, losing to Alcaraz, and is still working through the process to get back to his best, as he told Ursin. Kideris.
3: Still, kind of finding the form, you know. I uh, not playing at the desired level, but um, I am getting there. It's, it's a progress, and I have to be patient and believe that I'm on the right track, which I feel I am. Uh, that's a positive, you know. There, there are some elements in the game that uh, I feel like I've done well with. Uh, there are things that I need to still keep on improving with, and i understand, I am aware of that. I'm conscious of that.
2: So you reckon we're starting to see the sparks of Novak from last year?
3: I, Novak uh, every year is different, as any other player. You know, I think every every season brings something new. Um, there are always certain things in the game that you can improve on. That uh, there's every day is pretty much different. You know, uh, e- even when at times you're confident and you feel like a- every shot is going well, you can easily lose the timing or tempo or the rhythm on a specific shot the very next day. So. So it's always really working on that kind of fine-tuning to, to make sure that you get to the desired level.
2: So if, if the player is different and, and the mindset is different every year, what's Novak 2022?
3: <laughs> well, I uh, must say that the year in professional sense hasn't started the best possible for me. I experienced something that I've never experienced in my life before and uh, still feel some traces of that, you know, and, and it, take, it takes a little bit of time to, to adapt to to those circumstances but uh, look you know it is what it is and it's all a learning experience a learning curve try to become a better person and stronger player mentally as well on the court and as i said you know the lack of competitive matches affects the feeling overall feeling on the court a little bit so it takes more matches for me to really find my groove but i think by uh, by Roland Garros i'll, I'll be fine
2: like we all, you, you've been following the story of Carlos Alcaraz. How much of a threat is he in twenty twenty two?
3: Well, I, I don't think he's a threat. Uh, he's already there. You know, he's, he's uh, not anymore a, a young and up and coming player. He's already established top player, uh, and, and uh, his rise to the to the top uh, ten of the world was is incredible uh, and super fast. Uh, to show that much maturity mentally also game-wise is very very impressive mm-hmm. there's a lot of superlatives going around for him and his game uh, from many different champions uh, former champions and i think we all agree that you know he, he he's the future of, of of the of the men's tennis but also a present because of everything he has achieved so far this year
1: Djokovic full of praise for Alcaraz and so too was Rafael Nadal who's still coming back from his recent rib injury and is keen to look at the bigger picture.
4: I tell you one thing when, when I arrive to the tournament I, I don't uh, think about how I'm going to be or how I'm <laughs> not going to be I, I just uh, try to follow uh, the practices every single day uh, without expecting much you know you have to to live with the things that are happening every single day and and uh, <laughs> when you are uh, one month uh, three weeks uh, outside of the tour and you come here with no preparation then of course there is uh, moments that <laughs> you feel the worst in the world <laughs> then moments y- you feel better but it's something that is normal no i went through all these experiences um during my tennis career unfortunately uh, plenty of times and uh, i know how the the process goes positive thing i want to matches I honestly don't, don't think too much in terms of uh, how I'm gonna be, how I don't gonna be in a couple of weeks. I, I just try to to follow my my road. Uh, I I have another week days in a, in in front to practice on on clay in a, in a probably more similar conditions than than what we're gonna find in in Paris in in a few weeks. And. Uh, I tell you uh, honestly, my, my my only dream is uh, being Paris healthy enough and uh, physically good enough to to compete uh, at the highest level possible. No, if that happens, I know it's a tournament that I I have been uh, playing well a lot of times in my career. I know very well the place, and uh, why not? I I can be competitive again here and give me give me one more chance. That could could be a dream for me, you know? But um, it's it's about keep going and uh, accept the challenge uh, and accept that the the, the things going to be difficult. But I I have been in that position a couple of times in my life.
1: You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. It's been a strong first four months of the season for Stefanos Tsitsipas with a Masters 1000 title defence in Monte Carlo, confirming him once again as a genuine contender. For anything on clay including Roland garros supporting him all the way has been a new coach former world number no. four Thomas enkvist who's been speaking about the new player coach relationship with Jill Krabus
5: he's an incredible player unbelievable athletic very nice person so I really enjoy to to be to be a part of his team and uh, in my opinion not only now when, I, when I'm i a part of his team but it's one of those players that you really always enjoy to
6: watch yes you know? absolutely he's super athletic yeah. he
5: plays a very uh, offensive tennis where he mixes it up a lot he plays serve and volley he's uh, he has I think one of the best forens I've mm. I ever seen and, and, and uh, it's uh, an entertainer yeah in the way that he plays and it's uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun to watch him.
6: We were talking about how calm you are always on and off the court. You're so calm right now <laughs> right now too. How much do you talk about that with players? How much is it a factor do you feel like?
5: No, I think like each player have their uh, personality, you know, mm-hmm. and you need to find your way of, you know, getting the best out of you when you're when you're on the court and I think that's something that you need to, you know, depending on what player that you work with then that character of that player, so it's difficult to say. You cannot just put everybody in the same box, you know. Mm-hmm. So you have to start with the character of the player, and then find a way of, of, you know, so he can keep up, or she can keep up the energy on the on the court and get out the best of of, of the ability when he, when when they are out there.
6: I just want to get your take on, you know, when you played. I know you retired a little while ago, but how the game has changed and how you've seen its progress throughout the years
5: it's true like all sports you know everything develops uh, everything becomes a little bit more physical players get faster stronger no different in tennis that's what we see at the moment as well uh, the fundamentals i think is still there not that much have changed in that aspect but uh, for sure the game has become uh, become more physical and, and uh, you have to be very very athletic you know each top player is very athletic and great athletes and and moving, even if they are tall, uh, some of them is almost close to, to two meters. Uh, was that six five? Uh, and still moving incredible well. You know, so they can hit the ball, serve the ball as the tall players obviously do, but still move incredible well. And that's what's impressed me the most.
6: Now, when you say fundamentals, what exactly do you mean by the fundamentals are still there?
5: Well, I think I think that the, the, the game itself, in the way you know how how you play the game, it's, it hasn't changed that much. You have to go further back than uh, maybe like in the beginning of my professional career, like in the in the beginning of '90s. I would say that it was obviously more players who played serve and volley, and and, and uh, you know more play- people came in, and you have maybe a little bit bigger variety of players uh, in, in in styles. Um, but since uh, my end of my career, like the beginning of Roger Federer area, I would say that it does not not. I don't see a huge difference in the, in in the, in the way the players are playing, except that what I mentioned before with the with the big hitters, big servers, uh, powerful baselines—they can generate an enormous amount of power. But the big difference I see is how they move, how they cover the court. Uh, and, and, and that's very impressive.
6: As far as the movement in particular that you keep bringing up, what do you attribute that to? Is that just um, us learning a little bit more about mechanics and how to get better in science, or how? Why do you feel like the movement has been such a had such an Im- impact on the taller players?
5: Yeah, I think it's a, it's a combination. Definitely, the players, you know, they they maybe practice a little bit different than to what they did like in the in the. During the 90s, almost all top players have specifically a, a fitness coach with them. So they work, I think, even during the season, they work every day on their fitness, which I think that that's a big change. I would say from from the big nineties where we mostly, I'm not I'm not maybe talking for everybody, but generally I would say that it was more big blocks of physical uh, periods during the year that you did, and then you know when you were out on the on, on the tour playing, it was mostly tennis. You know these days they they have big teams with them, and then they would continue to work on their fitness even during the time that they're out playing the tournaments.
6: Did you feel like you had more of a chance? Cause there's so many tournaments on the calendar now did you feel like you had more breaks to be able to have those blocks of fitness and that's why players are doing it during the calendar year a little bit more uh,
5: not really i think i think the schedule is probably the same You know, i think we the the, the general play probably play the same amount of of, of tournaments i would say but it has become a very important part of, of, of the game. And, uh, you know, like all sports, things becomes more developed. You know, the, the, even in other sports, you can see that the things goes quicker and the people gets faster, and, and it's the same in tennis, I would say.
6: And how much as a coach do you get involved and say the nutrition or the fitness, in particular, that you've been talking about, and the psychology of the games, because so many of these players have sports psychologists as well. How much do you get involved, or do you just stick to the to the tennis and the on court stuff? Well,
5: both ways. I would say I think obviously you have a fitness coach there who knows that area extremely well, and that's he's in charge of that and responsible for that. Having said that, it's teamwork where the you know you have a a, a goal where obviously the, the the goal is to make the player play as good tennis as possible and that needs to go hand in hand with how the player is playing uh, you know what you're working on on the court and and the rest of it so it's a, it's a teamwork where they all have diff- we all have different responsibilities in the team but you know work as one unit i would say
6: and I know I I just want to go back to um, your commentating a little bit because we've gotten to work together, which has been awesome. Has has that changed your perspective when you started commentating on matches um, from playing to commentating on matches? Does that change your perspective at all of the game?
5: Yeah, a little bit. Like I did, I uh, have played worked for uh, well. Together with you, we have done a lot of Wimbledon's together. But I also had done all the Grand Slams since 2009, I think, mm-hmm. commentating, and that's a lot of a lot of tennis to, to commentate and to analyze, and and uh, it's fun, you know. It's uh, obviously when you when you on your the court yourself playing, and when you look at it from a distance, and you know, you, and you obviously have more time to analyze it. Right. It's uh, it's, uh, it's it's good for your. Uh, knowledge of the game, I think, and it's uh, it's fun. It's a, it, I think it's a it's a good way to keep yourself up to date with what you know what's going on, and it, it makes your coaching I think uh, up to date, and, mm. and you you know most of the players and you have a lot a lot of the stats and you have seen them react so many times in different situations in the really big matches and that I think is a, it, it's, it helps you when, you when you want to coach. It.
6: Yeah, oh, you brought up a, a good point about the statistics because that's been something that has definitely flooded the tennis world yes. recently. Is that something you pay attention to? Because I know it depends. Some coaches do, some t- coaches yeah. don't. Is that something that helps you?
5: Yes, I think it does actually. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously you need to uh know the game enough to understand the st- statistics as well. you know, I don't think you can on- not only looking at that, but I think that in today you have uh, information that can be very helpful, uh, mm-hmm. especially if you have already an idea and you can verify it a lot by uh, looking at the statistics, you know, and then it's always good to it's like when you scout a player when you you know your player is playing in a match and you go and looking at the opponents who they're going to play in the next round. Uh, here you have an ability now in these days with the technology is to get a lot of that information uh, but not only the match that he has played lately but throughout a long period of time and then it's sometimes really interesting to see some kind of a pattern in the way they play and when they play that in a certain moment and that can definitely help you
6: Are there certain ones that's, that you go to right away?
5: A lot of it is, is about the, the first shot You know, a lot of it is about uh, uh, where uh, the opponent serving and when he's serving there, how he mixes up his first and second serves and returning points and um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of things that you can look at. Court position, I think, is very impo- is in, interesting as well. Where you actually you, is where you hit the ball, you know, in when you play your best tennis, where are you court positioning and and, and uh, yeah, it's it's, it's, a, it's a good way to work.
1: Another top player turned coach is Argentine former world number three David Nalbandian who, judging by results, seems to be working very well with Serb Mirimir Kecmanovic. Ursín Kadera sat down with Nalbandian and asked him first about his route into coaching.
7: I have a few players uh, call me to, to travel, but I was able to travel in the, in the past with young kids, with work, with everything. I, I didn't want to travel uh, a lot of weeks. And uh, when... Um, Mjolnir Kemanovich called me, uh, the first answer, my answer was if you are able to do with me only 10, 12, 14 weeks, I think about it, but if you pretend to travel full-time, it's impossible. And he told me yes, well, there's no problem to travel that uh, few weeks in a year, and um, and that's why we start. Working, I saw I saw him in South America last year, and um, I see that he has some uh, potential and a lot of things to, to improve. Um, so I we, we, we decided to start working. And then last year was very tough for us. Was a lot of change, a lot of work to do, and uh, we didn't get any any results. But that's the way it is. In changes are not easy. It's not coming fast, but. Uh, this year was, was a little bit different, with some, some good results, some good matches, but we,
2: we still work to do and, and level to improve. I mean, that last year was so rough. Um, it, it would have required a lot of patience from you, yeah. but also from the player. Yeah. How hard was that to? to It was stick? very hard.
7: Yeah. It was very hard because, it was, uh, like I tell you, it was changes, a lot of work, a lot of work everything from tactics from from there to fitness from fitness to tennis from tennis to mental part everything what did you change a lot give a us lot. an example of what what you changed I cannot tell you my secret
4: <laughs> well,
2: <laughs> so, so I understand you you told him to, to look a bit more to open the court up a bit more to look for different angles Can you tell us about that?
7: Well, it's a little bit of everything. That's one part, only one part. I think the tennis now is more more fast and they don't think too much. They just go for it. And they don't they don't analyze why make which shot in what moments.
2: And we're trying to change that. And it's paying off. It seems to pay off. I mean the last few weeks have been really good. He beat two top ten players in We, Bertini, we are Felix doing Aldera. better. <laughs> doing better. We are doing You're better. You're not there yet. What's the current progress? No, the progress is very good.
7: It's very good. So so good so far. But uh, I feel like he he has more potential to 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 give to me and to
2: give to to the tennis and to improve. I mean, he was the junior world number one. He won the, the Juniors US Open. He's, he had a very successful juniors career. What do you think his potential is?
7: Doesn't mean anything to me be number one juniors. I can tell you a million of examples was number one juniors and then 200 in tennis pro, 300, 100, and never get to not even top 50. So juniors doesn't mean anything
2: top 20 this year
7: who knows <laughs> <laughs> okay thank you
1: finally this week as attention now turns to the Internazionali Biennale d'Italia in Rome the fifth Masters 1000 of the year Richard Connolly has been sampling the atmosphere and speaking with some of the home favorites shortly we'll hear from the man who lost to Novak Djokovic in the Rome semi-final last year that's Lorenzo Sonnego but first let's hear from Yannick Sinner formerly with Riccardo Piatti, now being coached by Simone Vagnozzi. And I asked him about the switch.
8: For me, uh, staying with Simone is something different, obviously. Um, different kind of uh, work. Um, this is what I was looking for. Um, trying to change some, some some things, some also a little bit technical things. And... Uh, so yeah, I am. I'm just trying to to work hard. Uh, he enjoys it. I enjoy it, and obviously, all the team together uh, enjoys it. So let's see. Let's see how it goes. Um, me, I'm I'm feeling well with him. So let's see. How difficult do you think it's going to be to get? the way you were working out of your system? Well, of course, I mean I had seven incredible years with Ricardo and his team and uh, I always felt very well with them. Um, I think we have done an incredible job bringing me to the top ten. Um, so yeah, uh, I just felt it, so I, I, I've i done uh, this way. Um, Knowing uh, that what I have already, uh, I don't want to lose uh, like my mentality, um, like uh, my way to play. But I think I can add some some new stuff, and uh, this is why I, uh, we are working for. And um, then, as I said, then we see. But I think um, slowly, slowly, in in my head is going already. Uh, the new way so and then we see how uh, how it goes from from now on and you mentioned the changes the technical changes
1: what can you do better to now climb the climb the
8: top ten well I think um, many things I can do better Um, obviously I have quite strong ground strokes uh, that what I know my surf has to be better as my slice mixing mixing up the game sometimes and also my net game Uh, this is why i i'm going to play uh, some doubles this year as well so yeah i mean um, for me i think i can do many things better Um, in the other way i know that i can that i can compete against the best guys in the world Um, so obviously um, I never had uh, a very big big win uh, at the moment but in the other way I know my potential um, so hopefully I can I can show this on court also.
1: You know, many people believe that you have
8: the potential to go
1: all the way. Um, what do you think the greatest players have in common and how do you emulate them?
8: Well that, what I think they have many options on court and they can change up the game uh, especially when they are losing um, when the when the score is uh, equal they can change the rhythm um, mentally they are incredibly strong um, they have obviously a lot of experience which which takes time um, and I am here to... Uh, Improve, but I'm here also to learn uh, from my wins and from also my losses. And uh, yeah, I think um, uh, yeah that the way is still long, but I uh, hopefully I can win some some good matches.
2: Team. At 15, love. The first serve's keeping him in it at the moment. Another big serve down the middle, chopped, and he comes in behind it to the team. A lob from Sonigo is a winner. That is superb. And he does the lawnmower. Back to the Russians,
1: back, and he redirects down the line. Now he's got a forehand, Rublev. Goes up the line. Backhand cross court from Sonigo. Inside out, Miss from Andre Rublev, and his game set match to Lorenzo Sonigo. The Italians have an Italian in the semi finals of the Rome.
2: Backhand Djokovic up the middle of the court. Four-hand Sonigo into out. Backhand Djokovic, good angle. Backhand from Sonigo. This is quality tennis. A slice by Djokovic. Brings Sonigo in. He goes up the line, onto the baseline. Djokovic throws up the lob. Put away by Sonigo. Oh, my goodness. I don't know how many strokes to wear in that rally, but they were all of the highest level.
9: Well, I'm here with Lorenzo Sonigo, who was really one of the big stars of these championships this time last year at the Foro 0 Italico. Uh, Lorenzo, take us back to this time Last year, your run to the semi-finals. How important was that for you in your life?
10: It was my 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 best tournament. Uh, I played my best tournament in my life uh, last year. Uh, I beat some special player uh, like T.M. Uh, Rublev, and I played with uh, Djokovic on Centre Court, and uh, yeah, it was an uh, amazing feel. And, um, Today I'm here, uh, I come back in, uh, in Rome, and it's like my home, uh, and uh, it's really special. I want to enjoy every moment uh, on Kurt, and uh, I want to play my, my best, uh, uh, like uh, last year.
9: It was a funny year, wasn't it? Because I think you started beating Monfils, and there was nobody here, it was, it was empty. And then there was the match was it the Rublev match where the fans went home after two sets and then you had to play the final set with nobody watching it was a strange it was a strange week
10: yeah, it was uh, against um, tm i played two two sets uh, with uh, the crown and yeah. uh, and then the third set nobody was, was there and uh, was really tough for me uh, uh, but uh, uh, my my team was there, and uh, I yeah it was uh, I, I remember the uh, the last point, and uh, I think was my my best uh, moment uh, in the life. And that match
9: against Djokovic, when you, you pushed him very hard, you won the second set. It was a very close match. What did that tell you about what was possible for you?
10: I think uh, all is possible uh, for for um, all people, and uh, if you play on, uh, uh, you, you you need to only play with uh, your heart and uh, all do you have and. Uh, yeah, you can you can beat uh, Djokovic, on Duckworth, and uh, this is um, is the right mentality. I think um, when you play home.
9: So the crowd can make can make that big difference.
10: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah.
9: So so what's it like coming here this year? Because we're speaking on the Sunday of the event already, there are large numbers of people here. It's a lovely, nice atmosphere out there. You've been signing autographs. We've seen that. I mean, you must get a great feeling coming back.
10: Yeah, the, the, the atmosphere here is uh, really amazing, unbelievable. Um, there are one hundred uh, percent of people uh, this year, and uh, for all Italian is um, is, um, is good. And uh, yeah, we, we need to enjoy every moment, and that's it.
1: And we'll be lining up plenty more fantastic interviews from Richard Connolly in next week's podcast, as well as during the week. Just head to our podcast channel on Apple, Google, Amazon or Spotify. Before we go this week, a very big shout out and a very fond farewell to South Africa's Kevin Anderson, who this week announced his retirement from the game after playing more than 600 tour-level matches and reaching a career-high number 5 in the Pepperstone ATP rankings, as well as winning seven ATP Tour titles and reaching the final at two Grand Slams. For more on that story, head to atptour.com, where Kevin has been speaking with Andrew Eichenholz. And remember, too, to download the latest ATP WTA Live app for all the latest scores from both the men's and the women's singles and doubles events, all the rankings, all the news, and all the latest video. It is well worth having in your pocket. I'm Seb Lozier. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the tennis.